It's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? Make your voice heard on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Hey, this is fun. The University of Oklahoma just signed a new player, and his name is pretty unique. Check this out. The Oklahoma Sooners got a JUCO transfer quarterback. His name, General Booty. Yeah. <laughs> General Booty. This is such a proud day for his parents, Pirate and Shakeur. Uh, I have a feeling his first word as a baby was, Why? Yep, he signed a play at Oklahoma. It's nice to hear about a booty call that actually ended in commitment. <laughs> Nicely done. Very funny. Think he's going to be a good player for Oklahoma. Um, what do you mean a good player? That's what you'd say to me if I made that statement, by the way. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean by a good player? Was he going to start? Was he going to bat? What do you mean by a good player? I think he's going to be a good player. I, that's exactly <laughs> what yeah. I mean. I think he's going to be uh, a good option at backup quarterback. Will he ever start? Going to be hard, but I wouldn't count him out. So um, there is no legitimate backup, or there is no legitimate race this year to be the starting quarterback but at some point in the future there is going to be a legitimate quarterback battle right unless Jackson Arnold just comes in and it's like okay yeah it's over he's better than anyone else or Nick Evers progresses and it's yeah he's better than anyone else but in terms of where it sits today um if this is Dylan Gabriel's only year on campus you could have four dudes going into spring ball battling it out for the starting quarterback job right potentially I we'll 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 cover that whenever it happens. Well, yeah, right. As of right now, I don't I don't. I'm even, just saying it's been a while since we've had like a legitimate quarterback battle here. Right. Uh, that's true. That's true. And you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe we end up won't we won't end up having one. Maybe that Levy will name someone pretty quickly. Maybe it'll be a parent, but I don't know. Um, fascinating stuff. Now. A couple of things. I saw a text message earlier from someone that was um, said they've been listening all day and hadn't heard any of the Jordy Ball news. Like, what's the what's the deal going on with Jordy Ball? Uh, should we cover that or? Yeah, just just get right to it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess Jordy Ball's got a, a hairline fracture in her forearm, and I don't know what the timeline is. Supposed to be meeting with doctors, but. I think there's way more of a chance that she's going to to play than there was whenever they initially learned of the injury. Yeah, the scuttlebutt is that they feel better about it than they initially did. I mean, it's still an injury. It's still not an ideal situation. But in terms of her being back this year, mm-hmm. there's maybe more optimism than there was three, four days ago. Kind of feels yeah. like that's that's the mood. and. That, that's good news. It is the benefit of being the number one overall seed um, and not saying that their regional is a cakewalk, but you know, you're know you not going on the road to uh, Alabama or someone really good, right? I mean, you are the 
You are the better of the four teams that will be in Norman. You will be the better team in the Super Regional. So, seemingly, you might have the luxury of just letting her rest a couple weeks and getting her back in Oklahoma City. Can't count anything, but just, oh, you will be the better team out of everyone they face here the next couple weeks. Yeah. No, I, I pretty much agree with that. So, I don't know. I think they'll monitor it and just – I think the most important thing is how is she feeling, uh, and how is she how is she handling it? What what happens whenever she throws, as she tries to ramp things up, and if she feels comfortable, maybe she'll she'll continue to roll with it. If not, maybe we won't see her. So it's giving more urgency to the lineup. That's right. You know, and and I think this team has a lot of confidence in Hope Troutwine and Nicole May, especially Hope Troutwine. But you know how it is. You you lose your ace in the circle, and the entire lineup says, "All right, we gotta we gotta step it up even more. Right, we, we gotta have even better at bats than what we've had." Yep. Um, and the other thing, I think you guys talked about this a little bit on Locked In, but we haven't mentioned it. The player that was committed. That may or may not be, I guess, taking a trip yeah. to Oregon. Ashton Cozart, four-star wide receiver out of Flower Mound, Texas. And, yeah, he's kind of the first one that could be, you know, with the situation of, well, know what commitment looks like, right? right? Know what it looks like. And if you want to go visit other schools, that's fine, but don't expect to be committed here. Now, there was a report out yesterday that he's going to be one of two kids from the state of Texas to go visit Oregon. Then he put out an Instagram story that – I don't know, it was interesting. He said, you start to see the real people when you make decisions that's not in their favor. Then is when you see the people who truly care about you and the ones who don't. News not even true. Hmm. So we said news not even true, but there's still a feeling, Teddy, that it may be true, and he's going to take that organ visit. So if he does, is he going to be told to decommit? I don't know. Does OU have a decommitment graphic ready? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> Pretty, yeah, I think so. Those, those graphic guys out there will have one ready. I, I mean, it, it, if you're going to stand up there and, and say that in the first instance of it that happens, you probably got to demand that that's the case, right? Yeah, I I don't know how that works. Do you pull your your scholarship offer, or I don't know how that works, but. Yeah, I I'm sure that maybe that's um that's gonna happen. I I I say I say, I say you got to be true to your word, and I expect Venables will be. I don't know how it all goes down and how it happens, but um yeah, I he says don't commit if you're not ready. The kid wasn't ready to commit, or you know. I, I guess if he decommits and goes and takes a visit somewhere else, I don't know if that kills the recruitment of the kid or not. But I don't think it would kill the recruitment of the kid. Um, I, I think it would just be, well, you need to take some time. Like I, I think that they would still pursue him, but I don't know if he would be a committed prospect anymore. But you're, I don't really know exactly what that looks like either. Here's the thing, and I, I say this not knowing anything about the – the player don't know anything about him and so this isn't a a remark about him specifically it's just a remark in general and I know there's a big group of people out there that disagree with this but it doesn't matter 
If he wants to decommit and go to Oregon, it will not matter for the success of Oklahoma. A four-star wide receiver, totally. I I'm I've I fully believe that Oklahoma has enough talent right now to win at an extremely high level. What they don't have is the culture and the development uh, to win at a high level. That is the main uh, problem that's been holding us back. I feel like that is going to be so much better under Venables that I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah. Uh, text line asking what kid, his name's Ashton Cozart, four-star wide receiver out of Flower Mound. Now, in terms of, you know, landing this kid on National Signing Day, you know, Oregon's one of those schools right now where, you know, not all visits are created equal. You know, if he was going to Michigan, then you're like, eh, okay, like, you know, Michigan's a nice school and a nice football program, but, you know, you, you might feel good. Basically, with the Oregon, it's uh, he's going to come back with some sort of a, you know, nice little NIL offer from them. Right. You know, with, with how aggressive that their staff is and how they're going about things right now. Oregon is one of those schools where you say, ooh, one of your committed guys is going there. There, there is no, there's no telling how this one turns out. Right. Just because how active they are in the NIL game and, you know, some other areas. Yeah. No, that's um I mean, Oregon's a concern. They are they're gonna be the they're gonna be the thorn in Lincoln Riley's There's side. No doubt. It's I, I, I contend. And the it's interesting that the thought of hiring Dan Lanning at the time the OU job was open really didn't do it for me. And I don't think it really did it for a lot of people either. Maybe that was because we were all just so entrenched on the idea of hiring Brent Venables. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But the minute Oregon hired him, I thought, oh, God, that's a great hire. Right. It's the worst thing that could have happened to, to Lincoln at USC. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how Oregon does out there. Are they able to, to find a quarterback? Are they able to, to get an offense rolling defensively? I expect them to be really strong pretty quickly yeah. with Lanning and uh, Lapoe. Now, tell me if we can connect the dots on this one. Because it felt like for a while, OU had two targets in the transfer portal at wide receiver. You had LV Bunkley Shelton, of course, the transfer from Arizona State. Yeah. And the transfer from Missouri, J.J. Hester, that you ultimately, ultimately had committed. Seemed like they had one spot for two guys. They had their preference there and... You know, maybe they went with J.J. Hester. Now, it's almost like just out of nowhere or just suddenly they told L.V. Bunkley Shelton, all right, we have room for you. That does kind of coincide with this, you know, period with Ashton Cozart. Does that mean that he doesn't have a spot available now that L.V. Bunkley Shelton does? Is that is that linked? Is that not linked? I, it's- I, I don't think that's linked because if, if, a, if a guy's transferring, you have to have a spot immediately for him. Um, I think right. Like, if he's coming in, you can't be from the transfer portal. You can't be above the eighty-five number. I yeah, don't think. Right. So I don't know if someone has departed, transferred. Uh, I I don't know exactly how that's worked out. Now, um, I know they were they were. Close to that limit, and 
you know, the the quarterback situation coming in, I think maybe one of those guys is walking on. Maybe. Yeah. I I I think that there's a yeah, I think that there's a really good chance that only one of those two guys are getting a scholarship. Yeah. Would you like to uh take a guess at which one it is of the two? Of the quarterbacks? Yeah. Yeah, my guess would be the booty kid. <sighs> Really? That's mm-hmm. a shame. That's all right. He's going to be able to pay for his school with all the NIL money that he gets, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, just got a uh, text from Blaine here. Week one lines are out from DraftKings. Uh, OSU minus 18 against Central Michigan. Yeah, okay. Um, USC minus 35 against Rice. Oh, my God. I want to yeah. hammer Rice plus 35 on really? that deal. Yeah. I just, huh. you know, I, I'm rooting for just it for anyway. Yeah, yeah, just for fun. OU UTEP, what do you think the spread is? 44. Uh, no, 38 and a half. Hmm. Me likes minus the 38 and a half in that yeah. one? Yes. I mean, they're, they're going to try to make a real statement coming out in yes. game one, especially offensively. Yes. I'd take, I'd take the University of Oklahoma football team on that one. Hmm. Kale Gundy just tweeted out hashtag OUDNA. Ooh. So, LV Bunkley Shelton to Norman? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is that what that means? Is that what, how you're taking that? Sure, yeah. I, I, I will run with that. Yes, I will run with it. It's, it's kind of hard now without the eyeball emojis going out. Are you, you know? telling me that you don't believe the Cozarts kid has recommitted? I'm probably going to guess he's taking that trip to Eugene. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, fascinating how all that's played out. I don't know if that if numbers-wise that has anything to do with it. The the kid taking the trip perhaps to Oregon. I don't know. But, okay. Hey. But, I, I mean, he knows he knows the, uh, the recruiting philosophy here, right? If you want to go tra- take that trip to Eugene, that's fine, but – you, you got to know what that means for your OU uh, commitments, right? So, yeah, I and I don't think that Brent Vittables is just going to let this one slide by. I mean, they're they're going to stick to their to their guns on this one, especially the first kid that's done that. Yeah, because as everything we've heard about the program is they handle everyone the exact same, right? Right. Everyone yeah. from the walk on running back to the tight ends coach is is kind of treated the same way. I don't know why a recruitment would be any different. Hmm. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'm imagine there's there's been a conversation take place there. Don't know what it is, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'll say that. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Keep the text line coming. Six five one three four three nine. Here's Coach Bob Stoops from his visit with us yesterday. Every Tuesday at 3.20, our favorite segment of the week, Coach Bob Stoops joins us. Keep it coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. CBS ranked the top 25 coaches in college football, power five coaches, I should say. Nick Saban is at number one. 
Kirby Smart is at number two. Dabo Sweeney is at number three. Lincoln Riley is at four. And Jimbo Fisher was at five. Which, by the way, I told you the exact top four that this ranking would be yesterday. I don't agree with the top four ranking. I think that uh, I would still have Dabo number two in front of Kirby Smart. But I don't think that Muleshoe is a top five coach. In fact, I had, what did I have earlier? I had Saban one, Dabo two. Kirby three, Ryan Day four. I put Dave Aranda at number five on the list. Like wow. it, love it, or hate it. Um, Aranda at five. Some might say it's a little premature. Um, I I would have him probably higher than eleven. Let's see a little bit of staying power uh, before you uh, put him at the in the top five slot. That's that's big time. If he's top five. Well, you know what else is big time? Winning a Big 12 championship at Baylor and winning a Sugar Bowl. That's pretty big time. And doing it in year two when he didn't take over the, the best situation there. That's true. Yeah. It's hard to refute because um, we talk about doing, like, how much can you do with what you've got? Uh, and he's done a lot with not nearly as much as uh, a bunch of teams out there. I would say premature, but definitely on the rise. And can he back that up with a with another Big Twelve appearance? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's the expectation this year is that he's going to do just that is really push OU this year for yeah. a for a conference championship. Yeah, if he makes another Big Twelve championship, okay, I think I think you may be onto something. Uh, let me give you twenty five to twenty here. Dave Dorn at NC State's at twenty five. Mel Tucker's just at twenty four at Michigan State. Ooh, ooh, okay, all right. Uh, PJ Fleck at Minnesota is at twenty three. Sam Pittman at Arkansas is at twenty two. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern is 21. Matt Brown, head coach at North Carolina, comes <laughs> in at number 20 on the list. Any issues there? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, North Carolina was one of the more disappointing teams in college football last year. Yeah, I, I may have. Mack was 12th last season? Woo-hoo-hoo! Yikes. Yeah, that was all about the, the expectations and – um, you know the the recruiting that he'd done. I maybe have Pittman higher than twenty two. I mean, I mean he, he. I mean, you want to talk about taking over a terrible situation, right? But his is his is more difficult. Teddy, he took over a terrible situation in the toughest conference. It's different taking over a terrible situation in the Big Twelve, the ACC, or the Pac twelve, where. You know, it's not a given, but you can make a quick rise if you do things the right way. You can do the right things at a school like Arkansas, but your league is so brutal it's hard to make any sort of a move. I totally agree with Sam Pittman being a little bit higher. Arkansas went 1-23 and in the SEC in the three seasons before his arrival. Um, so, yeah, I think he's done an excellent turnaround job there. We'll see if it can – it looks like it may keep going. Now, are they going to break through and start winning the West? I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Arkansas is now a legitimate football team. Mario Cristobal at Miami is at 19. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is at 18. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest is at 17. Wow. Mark Stoops at Kentucky is at 16. James Franklin at Penn State's 15. Um, I wonder why Cristobal – 
was 16 last year and is 19 this year. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have – I mean, at one point, what, Oregon was ranked number three in the country. So I, I guess it's looked at as a disappointing year because they ended up in the Alamo Bowl. But, I mean, they were a game away. If they just win that Pac-12 championship game, they end up having a pretty good year. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. See, that's kind of part of it with me. He, he took over an Oregon team that had been struggling, turned them into a legitimate, tough, physical football team, and he goes backwards in the rankings. Um, it tells you everything you need to know right here. Whenever the, the blurb written says, I was expecting Cristobal to get a mini Miami bump in the rankings, but I guess he's being punished for only winning the Pac-12 North instead of his third consecutive Pac-12 title. Why would moving jobs? It makes no sense, does it? Have any effect? It shouldn't, man. On where your ranking? Well, is. I it did for it did for Lincoln Riley. That's that's for sure. Because after a disappointing year, he only dropped one spot, and he's still at number four. I don't I don't get it. Paul Christ at Wisconsin is at fourteen. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa is at 13. Wow. Matt Campbell is at 12. Dave Aranda is at 11. Mike Gundy is at 10. So, a whole lot of Big 12 coaches in there. Who's too high? Who's too low? Um, Franklin is too high. Um, I think he's been too high for a long time. What, they won one conference championship? Yep. And when, what year was that? Like 2016, I want to say. I think it was 2016 when they won the uh, Big Ten because I think they lost to USC in the Rose Bowl that year. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, just 8-10 and 10 in the Big Ten in the past couple of years. Ooh. Yeah, so the, the thing that James Franklin is best at is interviewing for jobs and, and getting raises, not winning football games. Um. Penn State, the resources he has at Penn State are not the best in the country, but you know, he has not elevated them above like where they should be. Yeah. That's Ex- what that's what good coaches do. Explain this logic to me. Like it's tougher to win at Iowa State than it is Iowa, but it's not like Iowa has all the resources available to turn into a juggernaut in the sport. There's you know, there's difficulties with the Iowa job as well. Matt Campbell has never beaten Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz has owned Iowa State and Matt Campbell, yet Matt Campbell is ranked one spot in front of Kirk Ferentz. Would you like to explain that one to me? Because, again, I, I mean, Iowa is a better job, but I think that Matt Campbell may have had more overall talent on his team last year than the Hawkeyes did, yet Iowa once again was able to beat Iowa State. Where Did, did any of those Iowa State guys end up getting drafted Decently. Char- Charlie Kolar did. Uh, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Right. Um, Brees about- Hall got drafted by the – did he get drafted by the Jets in like the third, fourth round? What Something about like Mike that. Rose? I don't – I'll have to go back and look to exactly. I need to I mean, look at that. Yeah, I mean, the, the names that we know Mike Rose drafted. is a stud. I'm, I'm shocked that he didn't – and he may have gotten drafted fairly high in the NFL. I think he's going to be a great NFL player. Could be wrong, but we'll see. Um I think Matt Campbell's a little bit too high on this list. I think the only the only thing about Campbell is Iowa State he's lost to Iowa every year. But Iowa State's beat Iowa like five times in the last thirty years. 
<laughs> or, or maybe not even that many. I, I I don't. It's not very many, man. So I don't I don't know that it's fair to grade him on that game because he took what has historically been a god awful program and made them relevant. Now, I think this is a telling year for him coming up, and if if he can still produce a a team that is you know, super competitive in the Big 12, I think that says a lot about him. Yeah, you know, at first when I saw Mike Gundy at 10, I said, what? I mean, good year last year, but uh, but I look behind him and there's not – I mean, Dave Aranda, I would put him in the top five. But there's not really another name besides Dave Aranda where I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's a slam dunk. They're definitely a better head coach than Mike Gundy. His resume's better. He had a better year last year, so – I, I think I could actually justify him being just right there on the fringe of a top ten coach. Am I am I missing something here? I've got to be because I'm scrolling this list and I'm looking for Luke Fickle. It's just Power Five head coaches, is what it is. Uh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got you. I was about he to would say be, if he was included in this. Surely they would have him as a top 10 head coach. I gotcha. Um, and really, that's someone that you could put at number five on this list if you wanted to. If right. I'm a little too premature with Dave Aranda here, I, I wouldn't argue putting Luke Fickle on this list and what he's been able to accomplish. And he's had some consistency at Cincinnati now, a high level of consistency. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is at nine at Michigan. Kyle Whittingham at Utah is at eight. Brian Kelly, LSU, is at seven. Ryan Day, Ohio State is six. Jimbo Fisher, A&M is five. Yeah. My immediate takeaway is Jimbo Fisher is not a, a, a top five head coach. Fisher too high. Kelly too low. Um, I may even have Whittingham a little. Eh, he's, he's probably about right. I think right. he's about right today. Yeah. yeah, I think that's good. I think he's about right. I think if you just – if you flip-flop, flip-flop Fisher and – Brian Kelly, I think that's pretty good. And then I, after that, that would move Ryan Day to five and Lincoln Riley at four. I would flip-flop those two. Yeah, Ryan Day, 34-4. and four. And so you, there's a lot of similarities between those two guys and the situations they took over. But on the Ryan Day side of things, he did take over a great situation. There's no doubt. But I think he's been more successful in the situation that he's took over in that we would agree that the Big Ten is a better conference up and down than the Big 12 is, right? Yes. Where, you know, Lincoln had a Kansas State problem. Lincoln's had an Iowa State problem. Ryan Day really hasn't had a problem with anybody else in the Big Ten, which is a better league. He's only lost one Big Ten game since he took over as head coach. It was that Michigan game last year. So, whereas, you know, Lincoln was losing to some teams and playing a a, a lot of close games against inferior Big 12 teams, wasn't really, hasn't been the case with with, uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State. He's taking care of those Big Ten teams that he's been far better than. And he's played in a national championship game, so I'd rank Ryan uh, Ryan Day higher than than Lincoln Riley. Agree. But uh, Lincoln's at four, Dabo's at three, Kirby's at two. Nick Saban's at one. I would flip-flop Kirby Smart and uh, Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I would too. Yep. But but if Kirby pushes for another title run this year and makes it to a national championship game, I might be flipping that one come next season. Well, I yeah, I think we've got to see how Kirby 
um, how Kirby Smart – Did he build a team or did he build a program? I think he's built a program, but we'll right. see how he reloads. How can they – do they handle success well? My guess is they probably do. I think he's going to go about business properly. But, yeah, da- uh, Dabo, he had that terrible year. They went 10-3 and last year. Isn't it funny? Like, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you it was a great year, but – Welcome to welcome to the big leagues when expecta- expectations go through the roof and you go ten and three and it was god awful. So yeah, uh, text line. How much is the Big Ten paying you to say that? Nothing. I wish I was getting kickback, especially with this massive new media rights deal that they're about to get. Woo. I wish I was getting fifty bucks to say that the the Big Ten is better. Right, but unfortunately, I came up with that all on my own. Is that a controversial statement that the Big Ten is better than the Big 12? I guess so. Huh. Mike Rose undrafted, picked up by the Chiefs. God. like that, man. That is the still of the draft. That dude is like 6'4", 250 pounds, smart, runs well, good in zone coverage. That's awesome. Brees Hall went second round. Yeah. Uh, five years from now, Venables will be top five on the list. As much as we hate it, Lincoln is a top five coach. His record at OU is one of the best. Man, that hurts to say. LOL. I, I get I, But why? Why is he a top five coach? Well, shouldn't he have a, a great record? I mean, how many times did he face a team that had more talent than he did? Well, LSU, Alabama, maybe the Georgia game. But you may be able to count on one hand – the amount of times where he didn't have the more talented team. Are you counting Texas? Uh, no, I'm not counting Texas. Not one time. Oh, you had more talent than Texas in every year that he was a head coach. So, Ohio State in 17. I'll give you that one, but that didn't end up being – I mean, it was the number two ranked team at the time, but I oh, you had pretty good talent that year in 2017. But yeah, I'll give you the that Heisman one. Trophy winner. I'll give you that one, Teddy. I'll even give you Georgia in 2017. I'll give you Bama in 18, and I'll give you LSU in 19. That's still four. That's still just four. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I still. Which, by the way, like all, none of those were debatable outside the Georgia and uh, Ohio State teams. I don't think Lincoln Riley is a bad coach. I'm not suggesting that he is. I think he's a good coach. But I'm also just saying that his best year, his best team, his best win came whenever Bob Stoops stepped away in June and he took over. Like it was our, the, the hay was in the barn, so to speak, at that point. And then it got worse. Not horribly worse from that point on, but that was the peak. He peaked in game two of his game two of his his head yep. coaching career at OU, and it slowly trickled down, down, down. So, I think it's yet to be. Frankly, and I think this is the same with Ryan Day. I think it's yet to be determined how good he is. That's fair. We'll see at USC. If he turns USC around, turns that into a a, a consistent Pac-12 uh, conference-winning football team and making semifinals, I'm right there with you. We'll see. All right, quick timeout. We'll be back.
Final hour of the rush, Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing the final hour. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver studio. And for your daily opportunity to laugh at the University of Texas and its fans, apparently Texas fans have started a petition to make the Alabama-UT game a night game on September 10th. And as of this morning, the petition had nearly 500 signatures on it. So, obviously, they're uh, making up a, a lot of ground here. I, who are you going to petition? Random hobos on the street, which well, you can find a lot of those on 6th Street, I bet. Like, this isn't... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's you're, not a yeah, government yeah, yeah, decision. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you can't petition your local representative, and if they uh, don't act... Uh, you know, get the required votes for a recall election. Uh, that's not what's going on here. You can petition, uh, who is it, Fox? And they're going to say, oh, you got 50,000 people to sign the petition? That's cool. We'll see you guys at 11 a.m. Well, take it from us because we learned the hard way last year. Once the OU Nebraska game was an 11 a.m. kick, which that may have set – some certain things in motion, right. but we learned the hard way that you can complain and say it, how dumb it is, this conference, oh my God, but it's not going to change the fact that the game's going to be played at 11 a.m. I'm sorry. And Sark said exactly that today at the Houston Touchdown Club. Uh, he asked about this whole situation. He said, I don't give a blank what time kickoff is. Y'all just show up, end quote. And for a guy that really hasn't given out a whole lot of great quotes, I got to say, that may have been Sarkeesian's finest hour at the uh, as the head coach of Texas. I don't know what else would be. That's interesting. Now it was actually a quote from what a what a respectable and uh, head coach would say. It's it's really fascinating though because he was fired for dropping f bombs at an event not unlike the one that he was at last night. You know, it was t- I think it was today, actually. Or today. During the day. Right? And yeah, I that's mean. That's what set off the firestorm. I know it was different. Was he fired for the F-bombs, or was he fired for making fun of baby? <sighs> and being hammered at the, at the thing. Well, I, I know that it's different, but I'm just saying, like, it takes some moxie. To still stand at the mic, I know, and do that does. whenever you've been fired for something similar before. Now, there is a difference between the two areas in which the the situation occurred. One, California, um, where let's do whatever we can in our power to be offended at absolutely everything, and then there's Texas, where. You can't be offended at anything because you're acting tough. <laughs> They're really going to sign a petition. <laughs> I mean, we we kicked and screamed last year, but I don't think anyone tried to sign a petition around here. And even if someone would have tried, surely, I'm going to guess, it would have gotten more than 500 signatures on it. I, you know, I'll tell you what's interesting. Once the SEC announcement was made, I really... I, now, I thought the SEC situation was going to happen quicker, but I really kind of gave up on the the kickoff time thing. You know? It is what it is. 
and it's probably a big reason why we're going to the SEC. So for the time being, uh, grin and bear it because better times are coming. Better kickoff times are coming. Yeah, um, maybe. If you're if you're good in the SEC, better times are are, are coming. Um, otherwise, you'll be 11 a.m. on the SEC network playing some games. But you also have to accept too that on your way out, they're going to throw as many 11 a.m. games at you as possible. Yeah, um, they're going to do that. And I wonder if the SEC says, hey, you know, since you guys are used to playing 11 a.m. kickoffs, why don't we start throwing you in that 11 a.m. Oh slot? Gosh, be, don't even, don't, that's not even funny to that joke way, the, about. Don't, the even SEC wish, can, don't wish that on us. can dominate every single uh, time slot on Saturday. You know what, though? In the Eastern time zone, it starts at noon. Just a noon start time compared to an 11 a.m. start time feels like a world of difference. Crucial hour. I, I mean, it is like a, it is the crucial hour, I feel like. There's just something mentally about a noon start time different than 11 a.m. that would make all the difference in the world. You know, it is interesting. NFL starts at noon. Why does college football start at 11? Um, well... I mean, technically, it starts at 10 a.m. out on the West Coast. The NFL does. Now, the West Coast teams won't play those 10 a.m. games at home. I think that, what, Denver? Denver's the only – is Denver the only uh, – Well, I'm just talking – I mean, we can talk about – it's our central time zone. Yeah. Like, NFL starts well, an hour I, I, later okay. than college football Here's does. a total guess. But I'm guessing that their TV windows are a little bit shorter – than the college windows. They don't have the long halftime that college football does. They have point. more of a running clock. Like You, well, can, you, you can, got, can pretty much fit uh, an NFL game in a pretty good window. Whenever you talk about your three uh, three windows and you add a 10-minute a longer um, – a 10-minute longer halftime, and there's probably some other things. The clock makes it yes. slower. Yes. Then that's probably the explanation. The NFL, in a lot of ways, is like a college basketball or an NBA game. You can't guess the exact time, but they all kind of work in the same, you know, little time frame of when they're going to end. Right. College football, forget about it, buddy. It's scattered everywhere. And it's, it's, it's a lot better now than what it used to be. When you were playing, I feel like the, the clock rules were still – the clock rules were different then than what you were playing now. You have four-hour games on the reg right. back, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. The NFL's got it down to a science, buddy. Uh, on Sunday at 3.30, here it comes. They're all ending at the same time, and sometimes you've got like eight games going on that are one-score games coming down to the final drive. It's awesome. Which, you know, it's awesome in the NFL to take all of that in. College football doesn't have like a red zone deal, and I don't think it would be nearly the no, same it wouldn't be. situation. And the games are never that close. Like you, week in, week out, most games are separated by a very large margin. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final segment is next.